Welcome. We're uh, continuing with our series that we started a few weeks ago about loving God with all that we are. It's based on Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Uh, describes the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. So this week we're going to be focusing in on loving God with our will. Okay, so we're going to focus on that today. So I thought the first thing we should try to discuss is Really, what is the will? What is our will? Uh, well, the will is the faculty or ability to choose and make decisions. Okay, so the will is the faculty or ability for us to be able to choose or make decisions. Okay, this is different from desire. Okay, a lot of times those get kind of confused together, uh, but desire and our will. Okay, so desire. I could have the desire for something. So let's say there's like a high dive that's like 10 feet off the ground, right? I could have the desire and say like, that looks like a lot of fun. And people who go high dive, they could tell me how exhilarating it is, how great it is. But once I start climbing up the ladder and then going up to the top and then looking off of the high dive, then my will kicks in, right? Am I going to choose to jump off or not? My desire could be to jump off. I could really want to really jump off. I really want to do that and experience that and be free and take a risk and do all this stuff. But my will is what ultimately decides. Okay, so we need to have that understanding about exactly what we're talking about today in terms of our will. Okay, our will is our ability to choose. Okay, so when we look at our will, we're going to look at this diagram that we introduced last time. So the will, along with all the other parts of the soul, need to be led by the spirit. Okay, so for us to really love God with all that we are, it, we have the correct order, which is the spirit, then the soul, then the body, okay, that make up the whole of who we are. And when we look at our soul, it's the mind, will, and emotions. Okay, so for the past two weeks, we looked at and asked the question, what does it look like when the spirit leads our mind? And we talked about having the mind of Christ and taking every thought captive and that two pictures of what it looks like to love God with our mind. Well, today we want to look at and address the second part of our soul, which is the will. What does it look like when the Spirit leads our will? Okay, so when you look at this diagram, you see that when the Spirit leads the different parts of our soul, like when it leads our mind, we have the mind of Christ. When it leads our will, we have the will of God. And when it leads our emotions, then we can experience the heart of God. Okay, so... Uh, today, we want to look at the will, like we said, and in particular, we want to look at our will versus God's will. Okay, so this is something that, for Christians, it's very important to understand the will of God. But I think that when we look at our will and God's will, sometimes it's real similar to what I described about our thoughts versus God's thoughts, right? And if you remember, I talked about how sometimes we've built up this false dichotomy between these are my thoughts and then these are God's thoughts, that they're not mutually exclusive, that they're overlap. Not all my thoughts are God's thoughts, but I think a lot more often than we can able to recognize that God is directing our thinking. So if you remember that. But today we want to have a similar kind of idea with our will. So sometimes we think it's our will or it's God's will. But we also have to recognize that those things overlap. Let's, think, let's take a look at this passage in Philippians chapter 2. 
Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, reading from the NIV, says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not always, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Okay, so you see in verse 12, that's our part, right? Where Paul is saying that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, why are we working out our salvation with fear and trembling? Because it's God that's at work, right? Notice that three-letter word, for, in between verse 12 and verse 13, that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling because, for, God is working in us. That when God is present with us, we should have a fear and trembling that accompanies this great thing that God is, at, God is doing. And what is God doing? He's working in our will. He's causing us and, and directing our will and our actions for his good purpose. So we see in Philippians chapter 2, it's not two separate things, that our will and God's will become aligned, that they are one and the same when this is happening. When God is directing our will... There's an overlap. There's an alignment that comes between our will and God's will. Now, this is really important because we need to see that when the Spirit is guiding our will, that the, our will is not a bad thing. And in fact, when you think about the will, it's a lot like emotions, which we're going to talk about next week. It's actually neutral. Our will is actually neutral. It's what drives our will that makes the will good or bad. Is it the Spirit leading the will? Is it the truth leading the will? Or is our flesh leading the will? Or is the world leading our will? Okay, so the will itself is neutral. Okay, but the question we need to ask is, what is driving the will? Okay, so let's take a look at that. I think the correct order that we see in the Bible is this. Okay, so when we talked about the soul being the mind, will, and emotion, there's an order to that as well. Okay, it should start with your mind, and then your will, and then your emotions. Okay, your mind what you believe in, what you think is true, what you think is not true. That's going to drive your choices. That's going to drive your will, what you're going to choose, what decisions you make. And as a result, emotions flow out from that. Okay? Our emotions flow out from what we believe and what we choose. Okay? Let me give you an example. Okay, so it's very important that we understand this kind of order. So uh, it was... 2018, okay, so a few years ago, and if you remember, I shared this at one time uh, a few months ago, in 2018, and that's when God started stirring something in me. I was 49, I was about to turn 50, and I felt like God stirring in my spirit to kind of draw a line in the sand, that a lot of times in, throughout my years, fear has kind of crept in and stolen things away. Stolen away opportunities, stolen away moments and years and all of these things that God had wanted for me. And so I started addressing those things. I started addressing fear. At the end of 2020, at the end of 2018, the Lord was asking me to do something. Okay, so I was going all throughout that year addressing those different things and feeling a lot of freedom and release and breakthrough and transformation that was happening in 2018. Towards the, towards the end of 2018, I felt like the Lord saying that this was a significant time, that he wanted me to really focus in to really break free. And so what he asked me to do was to do a 40-day fast. Okay, so let me give you some background, okay? I, me and fasting, 
we're not good friends, okay? So I have always had a hard time with fasting, okay? So you might have a different experiences in your Christian life, but food is, like, very important to me, okay? I always say my love language is food. So if you want to express love to me, like, let's go share a meal together, right? That's where I feel, like, loved, right? It's through food. And food has always kind of been that way for me. There's an emotional tie. So fasting has always been difficult. Fasting's always been a hard thing, and whenever I've fasted in the past, it's really been out of duty or obligation or peer pressure or because, like, the rest of the church is doing it or other people, like, this is what we're going to be doing during the time, and you need to get on board with this, and so that's kind of been my experience. So when the Lord told me that he wanted me to do a 40-day fast, I was very hesitant. Okay, I was very hesitant. Okay, my longest fast that I had ever done before that was seven days. Okay, and that was only one time. All my other fasts was maybe like one day, at max like three days. And so a lot of different emotions were coming out. A lot of fear, a lot of unbelief was happening, a lot of like doubt and discouragement, and all those different things were coming into my mind and my emotions, okay? So if we look up at this chart and see like what is actually leading um, my will, I was really tempted to follow my emotions. I was tempted to follow my emotions or all these doubts that I was having. But at a certain point, as the Lord kept speaking to me, I had to make a decision. I had to exercise my will. Am I going to follow? Am I going to listen? Am I going to trust what God is saying? So ultimately, I ended up, I ended up doing that. Okay, it took several weeks for me to do that. I'll be honest. It took several weeks for me to do that. In fact, I would not share with anyone what the Lord was telling me because I was afraid if I told somebody that suddenly I was going to end up having to do it. So I remember the first time I talked to someone at church, one of my good friends, and I told him about this, and I'm like, oh, no, okay, now I'm committed. Somebody else knows, right? And so that's how I entered in, okay? But I exercised my will. I choose to do this based upon my belief, my trust, and my faith. Nothing else was aligned. My feelings weren't aligned. All of my past experiences weren't aligned, but I exercised my will based upon what I believed God was saying and what I believed was true, what he was leading and how he was directing. Okay, so I entered in this fast period. Okay, can I tell you, can I'm trying to think if I'm not exaggerating here, I, I think I could be honest when I say that was the easiest fast I ever did. It was easier than some one-day fast that I've done. And you might be thinking, okay, come on, really? <laughs> but genuinely, that's why I kind of pause before I actually say that. Am I really being genuine and sincere? I think I am. That was one of the easiest fasts I've ever did. In fact, at the end of the 40 days, I could have kept on going. I felt like I can just keep going, right? And I was asking God, do you want me to keep going? Okay, but having said that, there are several things that we want to get from that. One is, it really makes a difference when you sense the Lord is leading you and guiding you to do something. Okay, for example, like fasting. I've done fast, like I said, from duty and obligation just because other people are doing it. Those have been very, very difficult. But I've also fasted and had experiences when I really felt the Lord was leading me and guiding me. And this was a big testimony to that, that it's so different. It was so different. 
there was something different. But having said that, there were challenges, okay? There were some challenges that were happening, okay? One of the challenges I'll share with you, I asked my wife for permission, she said, okay, um, was, I, don't, I can't remember exactly the, the day it started, but the 40 days ran through Thanksgiving, okay? It ran through Thanksgiving, okay? Now, there's a lot of different things that made this difficult, okay? One is Thanksgiving is actually one of my favorite holidays, Okay? One is because of Thanksgiving. It's good to be thankful. But to be honest, it's about food. I love Thanksgiving food. I love the turkey. I love the ham. I love the stuffing, mashed potatoes. All I love it. You know when people have all those leftovers and eat it for I love that. I want to have leftovers so I can keep on eating this day after day after day after day. I love Thanksgiving. Right? So that was one of the issues. So like, oh my gosh, it's going to go over Thanksgiving. The other issue was... My wife, when she was having Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is really important because it's about family, okay? And so she was preparing Thanksgiving, and she knew I was fasting, but she was getting all the food ready and getting our family together back when we could gather all family together, and we were having Thanksgiving, and she was very upset at me, okay? So I know she was wrestling because she's like, okay, I know he's fasting. I know he's trying to follow the Lord, but really, she was being honest. She's like, she's mad, right? Because she's like, you're ruining our Thanksgiving, right? You're sitting there not eating, not joining, not being a part of the family. Not, and she's like, why don't you just finish? You've done a lot of days already. I think I must have done like 30-something days already. It was kind of toward the tail end. You did your thing. You know, you, you, you accomplished it. Why don't you just eat right now? Okay, so I had a choice. I had an opportunity to exercise my will. Am I going to follow the, the kind of the pressures that I'm feeling? Am I going to follow kind of my past and my desires for desire for Thanksgiving, how much I love it, how much I, all those things? Or am I going to choose to follow what I believe? I had a choice. I can exercise my will. And what did I choose? By God's grace, I chose to follow my belief. I kept going, and I kept finishing. And can I tell you that God blessed my fast? It was not just Thanksgiving that time, but the whole entire time. I had such an intimacy with God during that time. I had the intimacy that he was directing and leading, and he was empowering. And, you know, if you ever want to get a sense that God is, is really the one empowering you, try a 40-day fast. You really, really clearly know God is the one leading and empowering every single moment of every single day. It's interesting, at the end of the fast, I was sharing that with somebody, um, and I was talking to the Lord about it, about how he was revealing that, like, that truth, that he is leading and directing every single moment of every single day. And you know what the Lord told me? He's like, isn't that true all the time? Isn't that always true? Hasn't that always been the case? Hasn't that always been true even before you're fasting? It's only when you're fasting do we recognize the truth. That's always been true. That's always the case. And it's interesting. When I exercised my will and I didn't let the, my emotions lead or my circumstances or my past lead or any of these other things, how much God showed up and showed me of who he was and all these things that he was revealing. How do we love the Lord God with our will? Is that we have to let our 
the truth and God's leading and direction uh, dictate our will. Now, if you look at this kind of order that we've kind of set up with our mind, our will, and our emotions, unfortunately, kind of like in the example I talked about, it's not always this easy. Okay? Sometimes it's hard because it's hard to not let other things lead. Okay? So it's hard not to let things like our emotions take the lead. And I think that I bring this up because that's really difficult during the season that we've had. This has been a long pandemic year. We just had the one-year kind of mark since where in the United States where we faced that, okay, where it was announced here in California. It's a very long year. And I think our emotions have really taken a roller coaster. And I think that as a result, we've made a lot of choices and decisions based upon our emotions and based upon the things that we're feeling. And it's, it's hard, and I know it's difficult, but I think it's, these are the times when we really need to hear this message about what's really driving our will, and it can't be our emotions. What I like to say is that emotions make a good follower, but not a good leader. Okay, emotions are a good follower, but a terrible leader. Okay, emotions are a good passenger, but shouldn't be the driver. Okay, you don't want to get rid of your emotions, and we'll talk more about that next week, next Sunday, when we talk about emotions. Emotions are very good, very positive, play a crucial role in our Christian life. But we need to be clear, we can't let our emotions be in the lead. Our emotions are fleeting. Our emotions can change one minute to the next second, it could change. Uh, Look at Jeremiah 17, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things. Talking about how not only can our emotions be up and down and really uh, circumstantial, but it also could be deceiving. Our emotions can deceive us, can cause us to do things that really go against the things that we believe and make choices that are contrary, that we look back and saying, Why did I do that? Why did I choose to do that? That was really not what God wanted. That's not really what I would want. But we let our emotions take the lead and determine our choices and dictate our will. Now, it's really important that we recognize this because I think that when we see that, that's when we have an opportunity to exercise our will. So let me give you another example. Okay, so this has actually been the past couple weeks. Okay, so the past couple weeks, I've been going through similar to something similar to when I was in 2018. Okay, which was I was going through this time when God was bringing up different things that I've been hesitant to step into, okay, that I've been fearful of, that I've been putting off, that I've been hearing that he wants me to do, but I haven't really fully engaged these things. And so I, he, I felt like he was bringing them up. And so I said, okay, I need to choose to do these things. Okay, so one by one, I started doing all of them. I started doing this one and this thing and this thing and this thing. And what's really interesting is you would think if you followed this route where, okay, I'm hearing from God. I'm basing it on my belief and hearing the truth. Then I'm choose, making those choices. You think that emotions would follow along. You think you'd have positive emotions, right? Good feelings that kind of out. And then sometimes that does happen, but not all the time. Okay, this was one of those instances. I didn't have positive feelings. In fact, I felt really anxious and I didn't have peace, and I felt discouragement, and I felt doubt, and I felt all of these things, and I didn't have like the fruit of the Spirit going on inside in my emotions, even though I followed God's leading. I made the choice based on what I thought he was speaking to me and what he was doing. I exercised my will and tried to follow the right thing, 
But did my emotions follow? It didn't follow. And I think when we look at that example, we can see two things. One is emotions follow, but sometimes it takes time for it to catch up. Sometimes your emotions need time to catch up to the truth and your will. Especially if you've been following things contrary to what God wants or according to a lie for a long time. It's going to take time for your emotions to catch up. That's the first thing. The second thing we see is when our emotions are kind of all out of whack like I was experiencing, is that when we experience that, sometimes there's something else that's kind of play that we face spiritual opposition. When you're going the direction that God wants, when you're choosing to exercise faith, when you're going according to what you believe is God's will, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face opposition. Let's take a look at this passage from Joshua 1.9. So while I was going through this time, uh, the Lord brought this passage to mind, and we actually looked at this uh, last month. We looked at Joshua 1.9. Okay, in Joshua 1.9 it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now it's interesting. When I look at this, I focus in on the positive side, says, have I command you, be strong and courageous. But he says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Why does God say that? Why does God say the second part? He says, I understand why he says be strong and courageous, but why does he say, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged? Because when you step into that, you're going to be afraid and you're going to be discouraged. You're going to face that. If you didn't face that, why would he need to say this? If you weren't going to experience any kind of fear, if you weren't going to experience any kind of discouragement, he would not need to say this part of Joshua 1.9. He would just say, be strong and courageous and go step forward. But he knows when we try to exercise our will, when we try to experience Joshua 1.9, when we try to be strong and courageous and stand by our faith and belief in God and trust in what he says to be true, we're going to experience fear and we're going to experience discouragement. We're going to face it. And this is really important to understand because it shouldn't be a surprise when we try to exercise our faith and try to follow these things and we end up feeling in our emotions, we feel discouraged. We feel uh, afraid. We feel anxious. We feel all these, these things. It shouldn't be a surprise. God is telling us already ahead of time. When you try to be strong and courageous and exercise your will, these things are going to happen. But the other thing is what I was sharing about you that we can really see is about spiritual opposition. Is that when we go and to try to pursue the right thing, the way that God desires, you're going to face opposition. But what's really important, the way I like to view spiritual opposition is spiritual opposition actually encourages me. Do you know why it encourages me? Because you don't get spiritual opposition unless you're following the Lord. If you're not getting a spiritual opposition, Satan will just leave you alone. You're doing exactly what he wants. Why would he oppose you in the things that you're doing and the things that you're choosing? You're going to be fine. In fact, I would go too far as to say, if you're not experiencing any spiritual opposition, you might want to look at the direction you're going. If you're not experiencing any opposition, I think it's kind of indicative of the direction we're going. If we follow the Lord, we're going to face opposition. But to me, that's an affirmation. 
That strengthens my will. Because when I faced the opposition, when the Lord was jo- brought Joshua 1.9 to my mind and told me that the things that in my emotions that I was feeling is actually spiritual opposition, it actually strengthened me. It strengthened my resolve. It strengthened my will saying, I'm going in the right direction. I'm not going to do less. I'm going to do more. I'm going to continue doing this. And I think that this is part where we exercise our will, when we, especially when we come across these different emotions that we're feeling, is that we, we need to recognize, is this based on the truth? Was, I, was that based on the truth? And I say, yes, this was based on the truth. Where's my emotions coming from? Is it based upon a lie? Is it based upon spiritual opposition? And then we need to say and respond with our will. Now, it's, it's very timely, I think, this message. You know, when I think about what's been happening during all of this time, you know, and it's still going on. You know, I feel like the pandemic is not finished. But I think that this is the time more than ever for us as believers to exercise our will. We need to exercise our belief. We need to exercise our faith. We need to stand for what we believe in. You know, when the Bible talks and says stand, like in Ephesians 6, when it says stand, it's talking about our will, making a stand for what you believe. And I think if anything is true during the past year, I think God is really helping us evaluate our priorities. What do we think is really important? When everything is stripped away, when everything is taken away, when all the fluff is all taken away and all the things that we can do to distract ourselves and to keep busy, when all that's taken away, what do you have left? What you really value. What's really important. Where are your priorities? What do you really believe? And you need to exercise your will as a response. This is what God is doing right now, and this is the opportunity we have. I feel like if God can't get our attention with this, then what needs to happen? If God can't get our attention, grab our attention, and to see what he's saying and speaking, then what will do that? This is the time when we need to exercise our will, especially in light of the things that are happening, especially in the light of our circumstances, especially in light of the emotion, emotional turmoil that we've been going through. Um, look at this psalm, Psalm 43.5. This is a good picture of what we're just talking about. Okay, in Psalm 43.5, listen to what the psalmist says. Okay, the psalmist says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Okay, he's experiencing some emotions. His soul is downcast. He is disturbed within him. And what does he say? Am I going to be led by that? Am I get, is that going to dictate what I'm going to choose? Is that going to determine my outcome? Is that going to determine my future? Is that going to determine what I'm going to experience? He says, no. Put your hope in God. He's speaking to himself. Look it. He's talking to his own soul. He's, look, he says, why my soul? He's talking to himself, isn't he? He's talking to his own soul, and he's saying, why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed? He's telling himself, put your hope in God. Praise him. 
He is my Savior. He is my God. This is who he is. This is how we exercise our will in the face of turmoil, in the face of different emotions, in the face of the hurricane. This is when we can exercise our will what we really believe. And I wanted us to do that right now. And I think the time for us to do that is today. Some of you have been trying to do that. When we've been talking about having a second win, I've been hearing some of you saying, yes, I think I'm starting to get a second win. This is our time to keep choosing and exercise our will. I'm going to invite Haladim and the worship team to, to come up. And I want us to have a close with this song. And it's going to be an opportunity for us to exercise our will. Okay, so I asked them to play the song. It's called uh, Faithful Now. Okay, and I just want to read, read the chorus to you because the chorus is what I want us to focus in on. And when we sing the chorus, make it a declaration. You know, like the psalmist in Psalm 43, 5 is speaking to himself. Look at what this song says. It says, you cause, because you, you make mountains move and you make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear and I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then and you'll be faithful now. This is exactly what Psalm 43, what the psalmist was doing. He's saying, I will speak to my fear and I will preach to my doubt. You were faithful then and you will be faithful now. Make a declaration about what you really believe who God is. Let that lead your soul. Let that lead your will and drive your choice what you're going to choose to believe today and how your emotions will follow. So why don't we sing that?